0: Start On Demand. demand. Wine moms, mommy juice, we've all seen the memes, we've laughed at the TV shows like Cougar Town. It's just an accepted part of our culture, but should it be? Do you like self-serve checkouts at the store? A shopper's drug mart in Winnipeg allegedly made its customers use the self-serve if they were paying with plastic and didn't need lottery tickets. And that has people fired up. And a monster late winter storm is brewing in the U.S. with hurricane qualities. While it's not going to directly hit us here, it could end up hitting us down the road. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Tuesday, March 12th podcast for The Start. Today we launch a series that will take us through the rest of the week it is called Uncorked The Dark Side of Drinking and your first reaction to this and we want to gauge your what you think on this question of the day at cjob.com brought to you by Mr. Furness don't call them first you'll see why call Mr. Furness 204-832-6243 Do we normalize alcohol consumption too much through comedy Yes, and it's a problem, or no, lighten up, funny is funny. For example, if I play this clip right here... To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. That's funny, right? Yes. And also difficult to disagree with. Yeah, right, because it causes problems, and it, it sometimes... Solves your problems.
1: I have been sitting there, and I watch different shows yeah. where you see, like, I was really big on Scandal. And at the end of the every single episode or close to it, she would fill up a glass of wine, like a huge glass of wine. Not You never saw her eat. She was a strong, smart, kick-butt woman. And it, but her day concluded with wine and a bowl of popcorn. And then I would find myself sitting there and being like, oh, she's drinking a lot of wine. And I'm holding my own glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's like, does art imitate life? Or is the art influencing our life.
0: Did you watch Boston Legal either of you? Of yes. Co- yes. Yeah. And how did every episode end with that? Scotch yes. and a cigar.
1: Right. Mad Men. Like th- that was arguably it was that was felt like it was a show about alcoholics half the time, like everyone's just drunk during the day and wine lunches and all the rest and it was imitating the time from 50 years ago but modern family. Claire Strong again, really great woman, good mom, loves her wine.
2: Cougar Town.
1: Uh, oh, Cougar Town.
2: Uh, yeah, the the question about is life imitating art or the other way around, I think it's a really good question. And I think it's something that we're going to get into over the next couple of days. Wh- which is influencing what?
1: Or are they helping us? So one of the conversations we're going to have at 745 is about... The, the phrase wine moms, which I think everybody would be familiar with, and the idea of, you know, book clubs and after school things and our, our work day all ends with, and myself included, thank God there's wine. That's often this funny thing that you say, and then you stop and think, wait a minute, it's Monday. Do I really need, you know, one, two, three? Like, what is my limit on my glasses of wine, right? And I don't know if I'm influenced by what's around me and that's made it okay, or if I've decided it's okay and the TV shows are just copying us
2: well the memes don't help either and or maybe they encourage or maybe they do help maybe they justify that's part of the quandary and if you go to any of these home decor stores where they've got you know those wooden signs that people like to put up in their kitchens or around the house inspirational sayings words of god Mm -hmm. home sweet home talk about family and then (laughs) all this justification and all these sayings about wine and sure. how it's, it's wine o'clock somewhere. Yeah. And, and Mommy these juice. And
1: like the idea that, you know, I often look around the soccer field in the summer and these kids are playing and everyone's holding like a cup of coffee, I presume. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think it'd be insane to know that some of those coffee mugs are filled with, you know, after work drinks. Oh, you're just sure. on the field watching your kid play in the sun.
0: Yeah. So in this series that we're doing, it, it kind of it was your brainchild, Loren, and it was triggered from an interview that we did. Was it back in December?
1: Yeah, we were talking about dry Januarys, and we wanted to speak to the expert about the idea of going, you know, alcohol free for a month. And I think both you and I will admit, as soon as that interview was over, we're kind of like. like like he dropped all these numbers on us he talked about wine moms he talked about the science about how like you know some alcohol is harder on women than men all the things that we're not paying attention to this huge problem in society that we all decide is like not our problem or not a problem not even not our problem like we might say math is not our problem because i don't do math therefore i don't relate to math how many times did we hear that every time we do a math story someone's like well the math people should just stop doing math
2: well and to say that if you don't drink wine or you drink alcohol or don't drink alcohol, this doesn't affect you, I think would be very, very uh, my myopic view right. of this conversation today because it's affecting all of us. It's affecting us economically, our production in terms of the economy, and it's also affecting our interpersonal relationships dramatically. And
1: there's so much to get into. And I, for the most part, what I really hope people don't sit here this today and say stop preaching to me i like my glass of wine because i do too i've already said that three times <laughs> like i don't think i need to say that anymore because now they're gonna write and say give me a 1-800 number but <laughs> but that's the point is there a problem do you have a problem are you armed with all the information do you care how much money we're wasting by police and all the rest as they chase after just drunks on the street and and what are we doing to fix it
0: We know that the meth crisis is a crisis and we don't want to undersell that in any way. But alcohol, in spite of the fact that it is legal, that it is culturally acceptable, is a problem.
1: It's also something I think that we can all admit or 90 percent of us admit that's pretty much part of, if not our day, our week or our month. Right. So you have a glass of wine after a hard day around a beer on the golf course. Scotch in the boardroom, a drink at a hockey game, even funerals, right? I've been to funerals where that's very much part of how you celebrate life and death. Alcohol is often there. So that's real life. And as we were saying earlier, art is supposed to imitate life. And we can see that right on TV. Producer Kyle Milroy didn't have to dig very hard for these examples.
3: Where should I put this wine? In our bodies. and we could come back and drink that $28 bottle of wine that you bought. It was really two $14 bottles of wine, and uh, they're gone. Let's start drinking. Then you'll appreciate the craftsmanship and quality of a local vintner who brings the muskmelon goodness to his oak chardonnay, and the dazzling peach crowd bat pull to his Riesling Rioja.
4: You've only been here a day and a half, and I'm seriously considering alcoholism as a new career path.
5: Hey, I talked to her for five minutes yesterday, and I've been half-bombed ever since. I'm just trying to be fancy.
6: Mm.
5: What the heck are you doing? Why would you ever spit out wine?
6: Well, because if you don't spit it out,
2: you're never going to make it through the entire tasting.
5: We don't waste wine in this house. (laughs) Wine? Sure. Good answer. I'm going to drink it.
2: It's 8 a.m. on a
0: Saturday.
3: So? This is just like a mimosa, except for it's got wine instead of champagne and no orange juice. That sounds delicious. Wine in the morning on the weekends. Let's all think about it, people.
0: Think about what? Morning drinking. Bored
1: examples and like brett was laughing through this and i'm not pointing you out i was smiling I mean, we laugh at it right yeah. we, we hear those we watch it we maybe if we don't relate to it we or we'll say like oh, i'm bad but i'm not that bad i think is part of it too right like i may not have a wine in the morning but i do have it at the end of the day and sometimes it makes us feel better because we're not as bad as say courtney cox in that show
0: yeah she uh she had many it was big i think it was big carl at first and there was a big Lou. She, the, these giant glasses of wine. She, she could pour an entire bottle into them, and uh, she would have funerals for these glasses when she would break them. I think she went through three or four of them. That was a funny show that that didn't start about being about wine, but it eventually morphed into essentially where the whole gang would just always be drunk on wine. They would refer to it as it's time to pound some grape if memory serves.
2: Well, and I think for a long time, we believed day drunk or drinking at lunchtime or sneaking one in on the way home was the exclusive domain of men. Mm -hmm. Not the case at all. And I don't know if it's been that way for a long time. I think for for years and years, women have been enjoying... (laughs) A little Absolutely. bit of sip of sip the, of, the, of the nectar of the gods for, th- for some time.
1: There's a huge part of me that says good. I mean, like men have been drinking, and good in that it's viewed as an equalizer, right? Like men have been drinking for decades, and women weren't allowed to have it. It was prescribed as a medicinal thing, you know. 70, 80 years ago, doctors would give you that thing of scotch or something to help you with the woman's issues or women's depression. But the men got to come home and have their drink after a hard day. And so it's evolved so that we're now on this equal playing field. But one of the conversations we're going to have later in the show is about how alcohol is being viewed as this equalizer. Like now we're all doing the same thing, but women don't handle it equally or the same way as men. And it's causing all sorts of health problems that I had no clue about.
2: When you go to the United States, it's it's fascinating to see all the places where alcohol is just a part of the day, Mm -hmm. where you can just buy a beer at at different venues, like at Amusement parks. I never ever would have put those two together. I don't think. Was that, I think it was Valley Fair last summer when I realized that I could buy a beer and walk around with it. But I'm supervising my kids on really fast rides and plus the spinning.
1: Do we need like six beer and then like a merry go round effect? I don't think
2: so. I don't think you need to multiply that. But I was surprised that that was part and parcel to what was going on. And I think it's super common, far more common for folks to take alcohol to the movie theater, for people to find a way to sneak in a beer at a hockey game or a glass of wine at a hockey game when their kids are playing. Tailgating in between period stuff. My kids curl, so there's a built-in bar Absolutely. right at the curling rink, and so we're s- quite fine with that.
1: Some of the curling but. clubs, you can just order it while you're on the ice, and they bring it down, and that's perfectly acceptable. That might be more part of the game over the years, but I think we um we we have a love affair going on with alcohol, and we're oh, we seem to be okay with it,
7: quite like, okay with like it. Like I remember
1: going to the just discovering the VIP theaters, McGilvery, I think. Um, yep. a few months ago, and a glass of wine I ordered to my seat, and my first thought was, "Where has this been all my life?" Yeah, like, like, but two years ago, never thought about having to have a drink while I was watching that show.
0: I actually, I, I, I don't do that when I go to those theaters, only because I, once I have one or two, then I have to go to the washroom oh, okay. so I just don't have the alcohol when I go to the movie but I do think it's cool that that yeah. at least is an I like the
1: feature don't get me wrong I'm not knocking it I just I, I didn't know I needed it a need maybe isn't the right word but then once it came I was like this is the only theater for me man.
2: You didn't know that you wanted to have it right. and you didn't know that it was an option and then once you discovered it was an <laughs> option there was no going back right. that's what Jackie said to me the first time we went to the VIP theater she looked at me she said what do you think?" I said. I never want to see a movie in another theater
1: again. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? We just, it's just a time for, I think, maybe an honest conversation about it. I'll I'll be the first to admit. Like, I enjoy it. Well,
0: and coming up at 7.45, Loren is going to bring us a story about wine moms and why addictions experts are not laughing at the comedy. And you can weigh in at cjob.com as well. Question of the day, which is brought to you by Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Do we normalize alcohol consumption too much through comedy, like in the piece that Kyle Milroy put together? The results so far at cjob.com. 78% say no. Lighten up. Funny is funny. 22% say yes, and it's a problem.
1: Well, you know, the director of Cougartown has actually been quoted as saying, it's life, like she's drinking like that because guess what? When I hang up the phone after this interview, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pour myself a glass of wine, and it's a, it's not about the wine, it's about maybe what the loneliness in that, in that series, or the group of women and men coming together because they don't have family, and wine is sort of the uniting point, and it's seen more as a unifier.
2: Can I ask you this, Loren, because you brought this series to our attention and curated uh, the whole thing. This isn't about shaming folks. No. This is about an honest discussion about what's going on in our lives. Absolutely is that, not. Is that fair to to, yeah. to summarize it that
1: way? There's no vilification that needs to happen. Again, because I will to being this person who today might go home and have a glass of wine it's not about that at all it's, it's about the things that i didn't know and the more you know the more the better you are to make decisions
0: want to turn our attention now to self-service checkouts what happened at grant park
1: so customers at grant park they say that they went in and a couple of them actually emailed Global News and CJOB to explain that they went into the store at Grand Park and were told this week that if they were paying with plastic, they had to use the self-checkout machine, that they oh weren't able to go to the cashier. So mm. as Global's Alison McKinnon Kinnon explains, that's not sitting well with some customers.
3: Having your purchases scanned and bagged for you at Shoppers Drug Mart, it's still an option, but only if you have cash. They just said that that was something that they we're, inst- we're instituting, I guess, and they wanted people to use that instead of using the cash. But I like talking to people. Customers at this shopper's drug mart were told if they're using debit or credit, they must use the self-checkout machines rather than a cashier. I mean, I have a cane and I have there's just too much for me to have to look after. And like you say, someone who's handicapped or in a wheelchair, it would be pretty tough for them to try to get the bag and put it on behind them or whatever, wherever they're going to put it, right? So, yeah. I just don't like it. Some customers aren't sure if the new system is something they want to utilize.
0: I feel more comfortable when I'm dealing with an actual person and so I prefer the human contact rather than more machines. I think it's a wave of the future and the way we should do things.
3: Global News reached out to Loblaws who claimed it was all a misunderstanding saying in a statement if a customer prefers to use a regular checkout they certainly have that choice. There has been some confusion about checkout procedures at a Winnipeg location. We have followed up with the store to ensure clarity on these policies. Alison McKinnon, Global News.
0: Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Jeff Braun is here, Jeff Forte, Kelly Moore. Yesterday afternoon's question of the day brought to you by Mr. Furness. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243. Do you prefer to use a self-checkout machine? 75% say no, I prefer <laughs> the human interaction. 15% say yes if it's busy, and then the rest say yes. And this relates to the headline at cjob.com. Grant Park Shoppers Drug Mart allegedly urged customers to use self-checkout rather than cashiers. So if you were in that store using paying with plastic, they were basically saying the allegation is they were forcing customers to use the self Checkout and the kiosks. store eventually
1: came back and said, "There's some confusion, but no, you still have the choice, and we've addressed this issue with the store." But at the end of the day, the question really for these customers was, "Who's? Why are you telling me which line I'm supposed to go in to pay?" Like I'm, I I'm here paying you.
4: Sometimes at Best Buy they say, "Oh, this is cash only.
0: Oh, this is plastic only," just because that's the way the tills are set up, or something's broken, or whatever. So,
1: but just, it's still a cashier. Like you're not going yeah, to a self-checkout. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, yes. Huh.
4: You like <laughs> so you like the self-checkout. Absolutely. He doesn't have to talk to anybody. Absolutely, except when it screws up and he goes, "I need help." No. Well, that's one of the things that often happens
0: to me. Uh, there's a the superstore at Granton Keniston. When I used to go there, there was this particular brand of eggs that I would buy, and for whatever reason, the stupid SKU code would never read. Same products. Every single time. Yeah, it was always these darn Weird. eggs. Weird. And uh, so, what, how I good would are have these
1: to, eggs? The eggs are great,
0: but I would always have You're to committed. call somebody over it's to a, help. The chicken's and, problem. And sometimes they could, sometimes the, 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 the clerk would be able to get it to read. Like she just would angle it a certain way. I don't know. I just didn't have the touch, but sometimes they would actually have to enter it manually. So when I do that, then I almost I feel like, well, why? I guess I should have just gone through a normal cashier as opposed to the self checkout.
4: I, I hate that one at Superstore. It, it, the one I go to it because it never, it never fails. Please put your product in the bag. Just do Please that. Please put your product. Yeah. That's so pretty, you sim- put, <laughs> pretty simple instruction, wait! Kelly. <laughs> wait for a second, broad. <laughs> one second of your life, wait. So you put the product in the bag. And you know what it says? Uh, have a nice day and you move on with your life. Please put the product in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> what are you buying? Are you like so, cotton balls or something? No. Groceries. You can buy something with some weight, man. Groceries. Cotton- so then, so then now you have to wait for the overworked individual that's running that department to come and help you it would have been job. it would have been quicker to wait in the lineup and have a conversation with a cashier I but i I was just at Home Depot on Saturday never had a problem there they should switch their self
2: checkouts to these
4: grocery stores yeah, Home Depot is quite
2: good, oh, and the excellent. individuals that run the the cluster of four wow. self checkouts—they're always excellent in terms of coming over and scanning the larger items, and they they help you out. I find it, it it's excellent, but I still feel guilty using the self-checkout. I just feel like I'm costing somebody a job, and I do like that interaction as well. So I feel I. like maybe yeah. I'm missing out on a deal sometimes, chance of a deal. Like the deal I don't know of the week? You, yeah, I don't know. Or, or, or you or punch an in, like, the wrong
1: pepper or whatever, and you've just put in the, like, special ordered from Malaysia pepper, and all <laughs> you want is the green. You know, I don't know. <laughs> if you're are... just nut buttons and... If Costing. I'm at Safeway
2: or or Sobey's and there and I have uh, the Sobey's even have the self checkout I don't I think, don't they, think do. they do yeah they do uh, the, do they
1: the Unicity one does
2: oh well yeah. I don't think mine does but at Safeway they have it and if there's any produce involved i go going through the lineup mm-hmm. I'm not oh yeah I'm not taking chances with that but oh.
1: if I have hardly any produce or things that require you to check that weight I find the self checkout super efficient like it's just a bunch of barcodes kids love it they help out like I think it's fun
0: you just gotta mm. learn the codes Greg bananas is 4011.
1: Oh, my goodness. Really?
0: Organic Bananas is 94011.
4: Holy smokes.
0: Is this
1: a real thing? I'm gonna restore this. I'm I'm gonna go test you. And I'll
4: tell you, with the online shopping, GMAC, I don't think you're costing anybody a job. All I see in Superstore now are the employees going around and buying everybody else's groceries. I
2: mean, it is brilliant. It's super convenient. And I think it's how the grocery stores are going to stay relevant versus these other enterprises that might not even have a storefront down the road where they're just going to deliver. I think they're going to have to fully embrace this whole idea of the pick and pay, I uh, I think I'd it's say brilliant. They are.
4: Like, well, at least when you see how many carts are full with uh, other people's
2: groceries. <laughs> Munther from uh, Food Fair uh, says, uh, "Brett, the banana code is correct." <laughs> <laughs> so
1: it's the same. I just assumed every store. Are you, had you working a at code? Food Fair on the side, Brett? What's going on? <laughs> oh, sorry, Brett. No, no. I just like I thought every store had its own thing. Why? Did, like they have the exact same codes. It's called I, a
2: UPC, Universal I, Product Code. Sorry. I'm no, just
0: saying. I
1: should start memorizing them. That would help.
0: And uh, when, when Alyssa texted us as well saying, good morning, M&M&M. And M- and M. If I went into any store and was forced to use a self-serve checkout because I'm using a credit card or debit, I would leave my items, never go back. I'm into job creation, not illumination. Have a great morning. Alyssa. Thank you for that, Alyssa. And I, indeed, like if I go into a bank, uh, like I often go to the TD on mm-hmm. Cordon and usually I would go to the bank like in the evening or weird hours because I've always worked shift. But now that I get off during the day and I can walk into a bank and there are actual human beings in there uh, and they're always super welcoming. They're, Hello. Welcome. So but they uh,
1: also always like at mine anyway, they always say the, the machine's open if you want to go use it. And I'm like, no. That's a polite way of saying don't bug me. There's a guy standing there who's basically trying to direct you towards the machine, I think for efficiency's sake, but... If I want to talk to a person, I'm gonna wait in that line. They yeah. do that? Yeah, the one I I am a CIBC customer and one of the ones I've been to. He's not being rude. He's like, just so you know, like there you can stand in here, but the machine's open.
2: Oh, I always feel like my people at Scotiabank want to give me a hug when yeah. I go in there. And it's like, oh, person, human, same idea on their side, I think, as it is on ours. I went to the main branch of the Bank of Montreal, like at Portage in Maine. I was surprised there's only like Two tellers, three tellers in there. It was kind of creepy. It was very, very quiet. Because I remember going in there as a kid. That you probably had sixteen tellers once upon a time in their little mini offices with the bars in front of yeah. them and everything. Yeah.
0: Mackling, McGarry, and McNab. We want to get to a conversation we plan to have all week here on six eighty CJOB, and that is about our love affair. With alcohol.
2: For months, we've been talking about meth, and there's no question it is still a huge issue here in Winnipeg. But if you talk to first responders or doctors, alcohol is still what's taking up an overwhelming number of their 911 calls. What's filling up hospital beds, it's costing us dollars, and it's costing us lives. We'll get to more of that later this week. But first, we want to start on this culture. Of booze.
1: So it was shortly after an interview we did here on the start about alcohol and the concept of a dry January that I personally decided I was going to cut alcohol out of my life for a month, not for the whole year, but a month. And as soon as I did, I felt like I was noticing booze everywhere, not just out at social events or on the weekend, but Even online, And I think a lot of people would be familiar with these. There's the memes about booze, videos about moms and booze and this kind of concept out there that a bad day can be cured with a glass of wine. So I'm not going to sit here and argue against that. I will admit to enjoying a Monday or Wednesday or even Friday glass of wine. And I do find those memes and videos funny. I've laughed at them. I've shared them. But I also started wondering, in this journey, is there something bigger at play here? So I went to the Addictions Foundation of Manitoba to ask some questions about the culture of booze in Canada, and I got some startling answers. Do you want to know what's in this glass? Hope. They're just two moms having some wine. I was telling myself I can have a glass and a half, talking about their day. Their hashtag is I Mum so hard, and the American duo are an internet hit using comedy to grocery shop so hard, flu and cold so hard. I'm not going to even call them Finn and Eleanor anymore. I'm literally going to name them Cold and Flu. And yes, wine so hard. That video alone has 195,000 hits, and I see why. They're funny, relatable, and sure, in some of the videos, they share a glass of wine. I get that, too. That's
3: a, that's a hard day with
1: kids' bottle. Yeah. I got no shame about this. I got no like, shame either. As the same video plays in front of a room of healthcare professionals and social workers, there are more laughs, but also a few raised eyebrows. This class is run by the Addictions Foundation of Manitoba, and that video is just one of dozens of examples used by the instructors to highlight what they consider a worrisome trend.
7: Uh, Moms Who Drink and Swear has 1 million likes on Facebook, and uh, Mommy Needs Vodka has 3.5 million likes on Facebook. So there's a real community, multiple communities, in social media for women to really engage and talk about drinking, and often not drinking in a, in a healthy way.
1: That's Kathleen Keating-Tay's, and she and her colleague have been teaching this class on women and substance abuse for years.
7: The course isn't
1: new, but in recent years, they've had to add to it with a conversation about wine mums. Might be professionals, they have children, and they
7: are using wine as a means of enhancing a social experience or as a means to numb out from the stresses of being a parent.
1: Now, if you're thinking, so what? Men fathers have been drinking and parenting for years, I thought the same thing. Why judge this? Why us? We're not saying that women
7: should never be drinking and we're not saying that there isn't such a thing as, as moderation when it comes to substance use. We're just asking for people to take a look at why alcohol should be considered as a gender equalizer. And um, When the reality is, is that it does cause a lot of of harm. And it causes a lot of harm particularly for women.
1: Keating Taves is part of a growing group who believe the memes filling up our social media feeds... Ones like, the most expensive part of having kids is all the wine you have to drink, are missing an important point. It's
7: not sexist, it's science. And
1: alcohol- The science is that women absorb more alcohol from each drink than men do, in part due to having fewer enzymes in the stomach that help break down alcohol. And studies have shown that can make women more susceptible to diseases like cirrhosis of the liver, different problems with the heart, and they can even become addicted more quickly than men. But that's not all. Here's Dr. Sherry Fandry.
7: As few as 2 drinks per day for a woman can double the likelihood that she will die before the age of 70 of breast cancer. Not just doubling her risk of breast cancer, but doubling the likelihood that its to be would be fatal before age 70 that she will die early because of breast cancer. So
1: since 2001, the rate for women dying from alcohol-related illnesses jumped 26%, just 5% for men. <laughs> Dr. Fandry has one theory why.
7: Women are being played, and they're being played in a very cynical way by the alcohol industry, and I think they deserve to know that. So, you see wines like uh, Mommy's uh, Time Out or um, Bitch Wine, Little Black Dress. Th- those are targeted to women. If I ask my
1: husband. There's the marketing campaigns, and then how we look at alcohol ourselves. Take another popular video series called Women Who Love Wine. Is it cheap? Yeah, Is true. it
5: the color red?
1: Yeah, I'll take it. Oh, One of many that might day. still get a chuckle, at least until Keating Taves things. asks oh the addictions God, no, education God. class, and you, to consider this.
7: So let's take that image and let's change the backdrop. So if you get um, a core area, a housing project, switch up the kind of alcohol, maybe they're drinking beer, drinking hard stuff, and you have a video of these women getting real about some of their struggles Are we judgmental about that group compared with the suburban women who are in a nice home drinking wine? And why
1: is that? That's a great question, I think. If you think about those videos and someone's just sitting in their nice home with their kids in the background and then you put them with a paper bag or, you know, some sort of low-end booze in a different background, would we still say that's funny or just, you know, art imitating life and all that kind of thing? Or would you be like, oh, those moms got a problem? Some
2: of the most impactful advertisements uh, about not smoking have to do with when they put the cigarettes in the kids' hands.
1: Right. Doesn't look right.
2: Doesn't look right. Doesn't feel right. And when you flip the script a little bit, quite often you get a different perspective. And that last question really jumped out for me, along with the whole idea of these different labels and the and the little red dress and the other labels. Are they setting the trend or are they following the trend in terms of that That niche market, quote unquote niche market of of wine moms, or are they creating it? And and I think that's a a terrific question to be explored as well. There's all
1: sorts of arguments though about, you know, advertising and Uh, Are they targeting you or picking on you? You know, you think about even the ads for men like Dos Equis, and if you drink that beer, you're going to be this fabulous, uh, lovely-looking Latino man with, like, all sorts of swarms of women around you, right? I mean, that kind of stuff has been going on for years. To me, it was more like the science stuff that I didn't know about. You know, like, they they pick the skinny— wine or a skinny girl or whatever it's called because women are also more health conscious, right? And so we're therefore going to be, okay, I don't really want to drink because of the calories. Oh, wait a minute. Now I can because there's lower calories in it. So the the argument from the AFM and Dr. Fandry, who was in that story, she feels that a lot of those memes not just the wine, but the memes are created by the alcohol industry to feed in to the idea that it's it's fun and it's part of what we should be doing.
0: It's entirely possible. And as far as the science and whatnot goes, I mean, you made the point earlier this morning that for the long time, it wasn't acceptable for women to drink nearly as much. So is it possible that this maybe has just has to do with evolution? Like women just have not sure. historically drank as much as men, but now they're drinking more and they're not their bodies can't
1: handle it? Absolutely. It's not, uh, they can handle it. They just can't handle it the same way. So yeah. the the line in the story that I also like, so there's two. One, it's not sexist, it's science. She was talking about the idea of okay, like you can go ahead and drink. Just be aware that your body breaks things down differently as a woman. But also that and I, because I, I'm kind of annoyed still even when I hear this conversation because I'm I'm a bit of being is like, get lost. Like men do this all the time. Do not pick on me for the things that I like to do. Any, You're not picking on the men. And her her idea is that it's not a it's not an equalizer we're treating it like it's this thing that makes us equal now as men and women when our bodies don't metabolize it equally and that's that's the only point that it's trying to be made another thing that was interesting out of that class is there was a couple of women in recovery for different drugs they weren't their, their problem wasn't alcohol but they talked about the idea of like if you put any other substance in someone's hand and played those videos right you talked about a cigarette in the kid's hand well put 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 any other drug in Nobody finds that funny. So is it just because it's legal? Still mind altering. It's still behavior altering. But is it just because it's legal that we're all like, ha ha ha?
2: You put any other substance in the context that a lot of those videos do, you wouldn't find it not only not funny. You'd find it somewhat horrifying to be quote unquote glamorizing it the the way it it does and normalizing it. So lots of questions coming out of that without doubt. And as part of it as well, what alcohol does to the different genders in terms of our behavior and how we act, because a lot of guys get aggressive, aggressive and, yeah. when, when, when they're intoxicated and and I think a lot of women would argue that they just become a little more honest they become a little bit more fun a little bit more outgoing when when they're drinking I th- think there's so many layers to this conversation I'm, I'm glad you brought it to our attention Loren.
1: one last food for thought if you quit smoking this was raised in the class when you quit smoking people applaud if you walk into a room and I experience this even on a dry, dry January and I say I'm not drinking tonight the question is why mm-hmm. something's wrong with you when you choose not to do it even for a moment as opposed to anything else.
0: Thank you for all of the feedback you're providing at 204-780-6868. As Charles Adler would say, a virtual avalanche (laughs) of feedback on the subject of self-checkouts and on the subject of alcohol as we have begun our four-day series called Uncorked. The Dark Side of Drinking. If you're just tuning in, you can go to cjob.com into the audio vault to hear Loren McNabb's piece on Wine Moms, which we ran at 7.45. And Loren, we're getting all kinds of feedback on this from a variety of people, uh, particularly some who are like, hey, when I people when I quit drinking, people look at me like I'm funny.
1: Well, that was the question raised about the culture of booze and just how pervasive alcohol might be in our society. And I asked this before we left, I mentioned that in this class i was at on women and substance abuse one of the questions or ideas was when they quit smoking everybody says
0: good for you good for
1: you when they quit drinking or someone mentions they're not drinking that weekend or that night the response is often why so we had this exact same experience by one of our listeners saying Quote, when I quit drinking, most of my friends or so-called friends quit inviting me out to weekend events. That made me realize how alcohol is viewed in most people's eyes. And another from our regular listener, Yuliana, saying one of the most common responses when she says she's not drinking is, why are you pregnant?
0: That's actually that happened to me. I went to uh, my girlfriend. uh, Her name was Leah. In 1998, I think we went to visit my cousin Jim in Essex, Ontario. Mm -hmm. And uh, we stopped at my cousin Danny's place and we got there pretty late. And uh, so he, he had already had a few and he poured me a drink and he says to her, what are you having? And she says, oh, I'm nothing. I'm okay. And he just kind of stopped with a smirk on his face and said, right. what, are you pregnant? Absolutely. And that was his first interaction with, my, with this, this woman that he'd never met. So it was funny.
2: But yeah, that's the, the common theme. Well, I was just telling Loren off the air. Uh, I'm notori- notoriously uh, uh, not a teetotaler, but but borderline. Mm-hmm. And that's a switch for me in the last, since my kid, kids were born, the last 12 years. But a lot of our group of friends will ask if I'm coming for the weekend, either if we're going away or we're going to the cottage, or is Fun Bobby coming? because right. they, they don't mind me, but they prefer me when I've had a, a couple of beverages. And
1: what does that say? Right. I, I have had friends well, I'm who, really
2: boring when I don't drink. But I it's guess also that's the it idea that,
1: that they'd rather the substance induced, Greg, than the not. And it's nothing to do with you. You're a super entertaining guy. So you hear that all the time. And I think we're going to continue this conversation throughout the morning. But thank you, everyone, for the feedback.
2: Where are you going? <laughs> you you got online. Was it in the last few days to yep. do some investigating and to reach out to a certain type of clinic?
0: That's right. I have been thinking about this now for a couple of years. Really, I'm 41 years old. I don't have children. And why not? Oh, sorry. Sorry.
2: sorry. 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 <laughs> sorry.
0: No, you've been hearing that what for how long, Brett? Oh, forever. What, are you going to have kids? No, I don't think I want kids. Oh, that's too bad. You'd be a great dad. And you would be a great dad. And I get that a lot.
1: People but You could be a great uncle. You could be a great, you know, big brother to somebody.
0: Yeah. I'd, people say that all the time. And then I say, well, you know, I don't know. And they'll say, well, you, you, you know, you're not too old. You don't have to. And then I finally just say, guys, I just I don't. I've never wanted to have children. It's not that I don't like kids, and especially now that I'm 41 and my peers mostly have kids, getting to watch their kids grow up has provided me with all kinds of happiness and bringing them birthday presents and Christmas presents and that kind of thing. But I just never wanted to be a dad. When people bring babies into the office, I've never gotten excited. But if people bring in dogs to the office, I lose my mind. I like... Animals, okay. So
1: your reward for if you go through with this should be to get a dog.
0: <laughs> Mate, well, I've got two cats already, so I don't know uh, if if that would work. Is out Is that so a thing? Well.
1: I'll I'll give that to you as a vasectomy present. <laughs> a puppy, that could a puppy. be a thing. I don't think I could have a
0: puppy well, in my apartment. You can call him Mister Snips. <laughs> that's oh, that's a great name for the dog. Hey, Mister Snips, come here, because indeed. Dr. Snips, I finally decided that I'm going to go. And I remember when I met my girlfriend uh, just over a year ago now, on our first date, uh, she brought up the subject of kids. And I thought, oh, God, this is, a, this is a hot potato for a first date. And I remember thinking, what do I say? What do I say? What do I say? Because she's 29, and then she says, well, I don't want kids. And I thought, oh, thank God, because I don't have to worry about it. And we've been sort of talking about it. And uh, it's just, I've, it's never... I've always found it unfair that the birth control always ends up largely falling on the woman, right? You know, that they have to either take birth control, which mm-hmm. can have all kinds of adverse effects. I've seen it affect people emotionally, physically, mentally, or others. Uh, I've heard bad stories about the IUD and all that kind of stuff. So I just figure what I'll, I, I'll go see the doctor. It's time. I'm 41. I don't want to have kids. I'm not going to have kids. So I'm going to go to uh a buddy of mine recommended one uh, uh, Dr. Billinkoff. They put apparently they put, there's a TV on the like the ceiling or something where they they air episodes of comedy relating to vasectomies. I guess there was a gag on Seinfeld, I don't recall. But he said that he watched something like that when he was getting it
2: done. There is an episode where Elaine, it's the Shiksa appeal Mm, episode. Wow. And there are at least three different individuals. Kramer is dating someone who doesn't want kids. So he goes all in on this relationship and says, I'm going to get a vasectomy. And then I think it's uh, Newman finds out that Elaine doesn't want kids and goes all in. It's uh, it's a very humorous episode. And I think one of them ends up going back to get it reversed. At some point, I think it might be Kramer. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, I
0: suppose that's still a possibility that I could get it reversed one day. But I I just wanted to share this because if you listening right now are kind of wondering if you should do the same thing. I think for me, that the biggest thing was I felt like a bad person for a long time. For most of my life, I've felt like a bad person for not wanting to have kids. Like, some people know from when they're a kid that they want to have kids. And I've never felt that urge. And I thought maybe there was something wrong with me. Like, do I need help? Am I a weirdo? Am I psychotic? Like, why don't I want kids? And then it finally just hit me. I don't want kids and that's okay.
2: Now, I hope it's not my constant conversation with you that that, that kids ruin everything. No. I hope I haven't had any <laughs> or, influence on this decision. Or the last
1: segment where it was, your are why mommy drinks wine, which we've been talking about that very honestly this morning, right? So all these things don't feed into the idea. Kids are great. I love my kids. I love being a mom, but it doesn't have to be, it's a choice. And you and you're making one and I think that's great.
0: So now I just need to make an appointment. I tried to make an appointment online, but it's only offering me two dates. It's I guess maybe it's just the next available next best available option. And both of the dates that they're offering don't work because my girlfriend's parents are coming in from out of town and I don't know if there's gonna if I'm gonna be laid up for a couple of days or what. So I'm just gonna have to wait. But now I feel like I'm putting it off. Like, I'm chickening out. I'm not chickening out. I just want to wait until an appropriate appointment comes up. Get a well, case I, of frozen peas and have those well-stocked.
1: Oh, and, he'll be fine. Honestly, be that's good. the one thing I can't handle in the vasectomy argument. Oh, What, what if it hurts? Yeah, you know what? Like, <laughs> I'll tell you what hurt is.
2: <laughs> what, what, are, what are you saying? <laughs> giving giving birth hurts? Yeah, McNab? that's what I'm saying, man. Well, okay. Hold
0: on. Are, we, are men not allowed to experience any kind of pain because they you, don't experience not, that I, pain?
1: Not in the conversation where... In a relationship, you may be done having kids and then you're encouraging your partner to go get a vasectomy and they say, I don't know, what if it hurts? And you're like, oh, okay. we're just, you know, in, in, that in, in that perspective. In yours, no. In a lot of other relationships where you get to that conversation, yeah. that's a regular answer. Like, I don't have to take time off work and it'll hurt. And it's like, what? These are not... This is not an argument.
2: You know they have those oxygen bars and those different sorts of places in the mall where you can get your teeth whitened now in the states and yep. massages and whatnot. They have a place in in China, in one of the malls in China. Maybe it's all over where you strap on this this uh, garment across your midsection. It's for guys, and it simulates the pain of labor. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yes. I'm not exactly sure why anyone would think this was a good idea, who invented it, Who or who would participate in this willingly, but I saw the video of it in the last week or so online, and I just scratched my head, shook my head, going, who on earth is willingly getting in this contraption? Well, could be a good exercise in empathy.
1: For sure. But either way, I think this oh, is a great conversation. I understand conversation. what you could get
2: out of it. I'm just now, not interested in it? experiencing it. Well,
1: I hope. Going forward, Brett, you keep us uh, abreast of the situation because yep. I think there's a lot of people who can relate to what your decision is. They can also relate as a person who may or may not have wanted to have kids. And I think I think we should keep talking about it.
0: So I'll let you know when I get my appointment booked. Is and this a- I, I got the laser. I, I'm going to do the laser one. Okay. So that's supposed to be the the painless one. Is it?
1: Maybe we should do like a live reporting from
0: it. I've thought about it. I would. <laughs> okay. i be okay. Is with this doing a it live. testy
2: of your manhood? No? <laughs> oh, boy. With like, with, with, in,
0: oh, um, I test, see. Okay. Oh, boy. Ah, ah, Brett, come on. Ah, there's a pun there. There's I missed pun the pun. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb on 680 CJOB. A highly anticipated report meant to outline in great detail just how the system failed. Tina Fontaine is due out later this morning.
1: Tina was just 15 when her life was tragically cut short in 2014. Last year, the man accused of killing her was tried, but not convicted. And while her family's quest for justice continues, they take some comfort in the idea that her legacy lives on. Days after Tina Fontaine's body was found more than 1,000 people took to the streets to express their outrage. The teen's death not only reignited calls for a national inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women, it put the spotlight back on child and family services. CFS had placed the teen in a downtown hotel when she disappeared, which was a common practice at the time, but one that has since come to an end. The shock of her death and then the anger prompting action. The bear clan was born out of Fontaine's murder, what was once just a dozen members has turned into an army of hundreds of volunteers with chapters in more than a dozen different Canadian cities. Well, back on the river, the search continues. Drag the Red formed following Fontaine's murder. And every summer, volunteers return in hopes of bringing another missing loved one home.
0: So out of the Bear Clan, the Mama Bear Clan was born. It patrols the streets, looking to help some of Winnipeg's most vulnerable. Alexia Legere is not just one of its members. She knows what it's like to be a teen looking for a way out. And she joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Alexia, good morning to you.
1: Good morning to you. Alexia, I understand that you have a story that you can relate to, Tina. You were 14 when when you uh, found yourself on the streets looking for some help. Is that right?
5: Yeah, I ran away when I was 14, and I ended up on the streets just like Tina.
1: What is that experience like? How easy it is to be targeted or exploited when you're a young girl on Winnipeg streets?
5: Oh, it's so easy. Uh, People, well, men especially, prey on young girls. They realize that they don't have anything, and they have what the girls need, and they use that to their advantage.
2: How How do you... How do you say no to that? How do you refute advances or conversely, how easy was it to to, to simply go with the flow and, and listen to what was being said to you?
5: It's really hard not to um, turn it down because, like I said, you have nothing. So when they tell you, you know, like, if you do this, you can get a little bit of food or a little bit of money to keep you going, um, you just do it because you're in survival mode and there's no... There's no other resources out there. Like when I was a teen, there was nowhere where I could go to get the help that I needed. So that is what I had to do to survive.
1: We're going to hear a lot today about how the system failed, Tina, and we know there was huge issues with how she was treated in and out of CFS care and and police encounters and all the rest. And I think a lot of people listening think, well, you know, that's a one-off. That wouldn't happen to me or it wouldn't happen to my kid. How prevalent is her story out there? How bad is the problem of teens uh, on the verge of being exploited in in
5: a really sinister way? It happens every day. It happens every day. Kids are exploited every single day um it's uh it it, there's nothing changing um young girls are running away they're turning to the streets they're uh you know being exploited and no one is stopping it there's finally a few different outreach programs that have been trying to stop it but it's such a big problem that it's going to take a long time how
1: is the mama bear clan trying to help tell us a little bit about the work and how we can all maybe help with this issue
5: oh yeah for sure so with mama bear clown patrol north point douglas and main street Uh, we make care packages to hand out which in my eyes saves someone from maybe making the wrong choice and doing something that they're not proud of to meet their basic needs we also hand out food um, you know the same thing so they're not stealing so they're not making bad choices Uh, we hand out winter gear so they're warm out there if they choose to be out on the street So we just support them in any way we can. We do look for missing people. We post it on our page and uh, we've been called to go and do ground searches for missing people. So that's what what we do right now.
2: Alexia, there are going to be people asking the question, how bad did things have to be at home for you to to leave at, at 14 years of age?
5: Uh, it, it wasn't necessarily, it was bad, but it, it was my choice. It was something that I decided to do. My mom actually went into treatment, and I uh, was left with my stepfather at the time, which he was using, and I decided to leave because I didn't want to be in the home anymore. And my mom didn't even know that I was out there, so, um, you know, when she found out, that's when she left treatment, and that's when I went back home with her because she didn't know I was even out, out on the street.
0: So, Alexia Legere is with Mama Bear Clan joining us live on 680 CJOB Alexia, thank you for doing what you do and thank you for sharing your story we appreciate the time
5: Of course, thank you very much
0: We want to continue our series Uncorked the Dark Side of Drinking, and we've been focusing this morning on Wine Moms. Loren did a great piece on Wine Moms and the culture surrounding Wine Moms and how addictions experts are not too keen on that. And Greg, you have a clip from a
2: movie film that you want to share with yeah, us. Yeah, it's Mr. Mom, starring Michael Keaton. And I think Jeff Braun, yourself, and I are all of the, of the mindset that... Any movie with Michael Keaton is usually a pretty good bet. This one is absolute classic here. Interaction with Martin Mull. It's only about five seconds long.
6: Got a beer? Seven o'clock in the morning. (laughs) scotch <laughs> <laughs> classic so,
2: so of course uh, Michael Keaton at home with the kids and Martin Mull plays his wife's boss and they're on the way on a business trip and, and the idea there is that it's so work, stressful
1: right? he, for him to be home to be Mr. Mom that he needed the scotch by 7am correct or he's just being hospitable and, uh, and
2: yeah. in the 70s when a guy in a suit walks into your house you offered him a drink
1: not at 7am and he
2: said no to the beer so you know the next play would not be a glass of milk scotch instead
1: so the question we were asking this morning and we we talk about whether it's mr mom or mrs mom or whatever you want to say wine moms or just you know single people having their drink is why we laugh so often at those and we had a conversation about you know those social media memes and one of them is uh they should make lunchables for moms with wine cheese and chocolate or boxed wine is just a juice box for mom Which I have laughed at those, and so the question being raised at this class that uh, the AFM has—it's on women and substance abuse—and it's largely for healthcare professionals or foster parents. There was a few women in recovery there for other substance issues that just wanted to learn more about the impact of alcohol uh, in the community, the culture of booze, but also the impact it can have on women. So we were playing that story earlier in the show and talked about. Uh, how it's not sexist it's science women metabolize alcohol differently so we have higher rates of breast cancer as a result of alcohol potentially with depression heart issues and all the rest so there's the science side of it and then there's just the culture question and another thing that our listeners raised to us which was such a great point was just how pervasive alcohol is that when you say no to having a drink at a party or at a hockey game or what have you you find yourself being questioned well why aren't you drinking are you pregnant Oh, you're driving? You can have one. You know, like those are the things that get said. And so Kelly Hamill, she works in healthcare and she was one of the women who were at this course last month that I attended with her. And she raised this point.
5: It seems almost like an expectation um, and that you certainly owe an explanation why if you're not choosing to drink alcohol. Um, Certainly it's been very normalized uh, in my life in terms of you can use alcohol if you're grieving, if you're celebrating. Um, It's usually pivotal to our culture when we get together, we eat, we drink. Um, For funerals it's appropriate to to cheer somebody. um, go out with people and feel like you're you're having drinks socially um, so that's always been my experience
2: I confess that we had alcohol when my kids were baptized mm-hmm. that was part of the festivities but it's almost the antithesis it's become the diametric opposite of smoking whereas when you walk into someone's house, You expect to be offered a a beverage of some sort, and depending on the time of day and whose house you're at, it may be an alcoholic beverage. But nobody's saying, "Do you want a cigarette?" Mm -hmm. And I think we were. A joint
1: even doesn't get thrown out. No, not the same way. Maybe in some circles, but not, not very much.
2: But it's very common with regard to the to the alcohol and the offering of alcohol. And I don't know which one of you said it. But with regards to smoking, if you are quitting smoking Mm -hmm. or have quit smoking, people give you a pat on the back. If you tell people that you've stopped drinking, you get a pause and a look. It's like, oh, oh, why? Mm -hmm. Not always, but
0: lots of times you will. I always feel like the odd time I, I encounter somebody who says, no, I don't drink. I I ask because there might be a story there sure. and it's not, I'm not asking to judge or like, what do you mean you don't drink? What's wrong with you? But I'm curious to know, was there a life event or was this just a decision? Uh, because it is so unusual that someone says, I don't drink. So I'm just curious to know because I'm a nosy person i just want to know why but not to judge them it's it, if anything it's
2: to congratulate them sure and but with the with the cigarette it's understood it's because it's not good for us right yeah. Where with the alcohol well, it's been- we're prepared to live with the with sure. the good and the bad once again not everyone but a majority of us are prepared the bad side is understood, and most of us are prepared to live with it.
1: Right, or, or push the line of, well, it's good for my heart, or a glass of red a day sure. is, is going to be okay. And there's certainly studies that support that, but there are also other ones that will say no amount of alcohol is good uh, for us, and, and, but we don't seem to pay attention to those. And so if anyone has any further questions about this or has their own struggle that they're going through, I'd love to hear it because we had a bunch of listeners write in about saying that they've lost friendships because then when they decided not to drink, they stopped getting invited out. For Saturday nights out because, oh, no, so-and-so doesn't drink, so I don't want to be around them anymore because they don't drink.
2: Text message here with regards to the assimilation that I just made or the comparison that I made between smoking and alcohol. Yeah, but with smoking, there is zero upside and zero safe levels of consumption. Alcohol is manageable and fine in small amounts, big difference
1: true that's totally fair i think that's fair like i don't think you could find but beyond people who smoke for weight loss which still could give them cancer so not a great idea there's no upside to smoking there's no way to sell that and alcohol is manageable for a lot of people i think what's happening now is because we see it so often the question we're asking this morning is that have, have we normalized it too much to the point where it is acceptable like at a book club or at your kid's birthday party.
2: I always joke that book club isn't really book club. It's wine club. Right. I've said that for years.
1: Yeah. So, and that's okay too. Like, I think we should have a place to go to relax and a couple glasses of wine is our thing. No question. There's just so many things that came out of this class that I attended that I couldn't get my head around the idea of, you know, why we judge one substance over the other, um, why people judge you if you say you're not drinking. And also just the idea of when it comes to women and wine, Experts aren't trying to vilify anyone. What they're saying is, did you know that you're not metabolizing alcohol the same way Greg is or Brett is? And therefore, you might have other complications. Just be aware of that because it's not as good for you. And I'm putting that as quotes as as it is maybe for others.
0: Question of the day at CJOB.com brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204 832 Do we normalize alcohol consumption too much through comedy? And the results... 58% say no, lighten up, funny is funny. And 42% say yes, and it's a problem. Similar results as well on Facebook and on Twitter. On Facebook, it was fifty or 46% say yes, it's a problem. 54% say no. And then on Twitter, it was a 45-55 split on this. So we appreciate everybody weighing in. And we will continue our series, Uncorked, The Dark Side of Drinking, through the day and through the week here on 680 CJOB.
2: We've been talking about the mommy juice and all the different memes, the videos, the T-shirts, all the different ways that it's expressed that it's A-OK for, for moms and dads to, to drink and, and have fun with it. Our text messages are uh, pouring in. Did you say an avalanche? Brett, I think that's a good word. One of our listeners saying, don't get me wrong. I enjoy a good laugh and a good drink as much as the next person. That being said, I do not agree that funny is funny. Humor has been used to normalize actions since time began. If something is funny... It makes it acceptable. I drive myself to most of my social outings, so I rarely drink at all when I go out. Occasionally, I will have one small drink at the beginning of the evening. I am often pressured to drink more.
1: And another text from a listener, and this is super thought-provoking, who says that his son's grad last year, there was a push to have alcohol from the parents. The students actually said they didn't care, but the parents were determined to have it. This listener says when grad actually rolled around, the grads abstained and the parents required designated drivers. (laughs) Interesting.
0: Thank you for sharing that at 204-780-6868. Now, we referenced something earlier this morning. If you're just tuning in and missed it, there's something big brewing in the United States of America.
2: The headline is this, Brett McGarry. Extreme storm in the central U.S. may generate blizzard, flooding, and severe storms midweek. And once again... It only matters if it affects you geographically, typically. Well, this could affect us, and we're going to Grand Forks to the National Weather Service. Andrew Moore is a meteorologist there, and he joins us live on 680 CJOB. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. How are you doing? Well, we're doing okay, but we're, we are we, we confess we're a little bit nervous here. We know that you've got lots of snow on the ground, as do we, and... Anything that melts in Grand Forks or Fargo eventually ends up in the Red River, and well, the Red River flows north into Manitoba, and this storm sounds as though it could be a big one.
6: Yeah, you know, that's what we're kind of seeing too, and you know, uh, you know, I wish I had some better news, but I guess what everyone 's been saying is mostly true. we are expecting quite a bit of snow with this upcoming system. Luckily, not quite as much as some of our neighbors down in the central u s where they 're expecting over a foot of snow, but closer towards uh, our area near Grand Forks and up towards the Canadian border, you know looking anywhere from six to maybe ten inches of snow can 't rule out a few places where we could see around twelve inches if we get some really heavy snow rates. Uh, but, yeah, you know, especially heading into a Wednesday night into Thursday, that's where we're expecting the most snowfall to occur. And then on Thursday, you know, expecting some pretty strong winds to pick up on the backside of the storm system. when that happens, uh I could see some blowing snow across the area.
1: That's... Uh is on top of what's already fallen this year. So you're talking anywhere between a half a foot of snow in the Grand Forks area, potentially up to a foot. What's that doing for just those flood fears that are out there? And we don't want to be fear-mongering, but we know that those concerns exist. This can only exacerbate them.
6: You know, you're right. It will tend to uh, add more water to the system. And right now, in terms of the liquid equivalent that we're expecting, it's going to be pretty similar to the system that we just saw this past weekend, where we saw around a half inch to an inch across the Grand Forks area south towards the Fargo area. Uh, luckily, though, back a couple weeks ago when the, the, our River Forecast Center was putting out their forecast, they did see this storm coming. And so they were able to account for how much snow we were expecting. And so our current forecasts are still valid. We're still feeling pretty good about those. So, luckily, we're not expecting too many major changes. Now, that being said, that was based on the forecast, so we're still going to have to wait and see exactly how much snow and how much liquid we get out of this system. But if everything goes according to plan, uh, we feel like we got a pretty good handle on this situation. So, right now, we're telling people, don't worry too much. We're still expecting uh, what our current forecast says. Uh, we're just going to have to wait and see exactly what comes out of this current system.
0: Now, what about the, the fact that this particular storm is uh, essentially kind of mimicking uh ca- characteristics of a
6: hurricane yeah so i think the thing that uh, is really gonna catch people's attention with this storm is just how strong it's going to be you know uh right now what we're seeing is just these couple of waves in the upper atmosphere that are phasing perfectly to produce this really strong storm system. And so this time of year, you know, we're heading from winter into summer, and so we're in that transitional time. And these kind of storms aren't that uncommon, but typically they do stay a little bit further south than what this one's going to be. So it's not totally uncommon for the central U.S. It's just a little bit uncommon for us to get them this far north.
1: So what kind of winds are we talking about? You mentioned that we'd see blizzard-like conditions, so does that mean upwards? And if we can, we'll try to do kilometers, but we can translate miles, no problem. (laughs) So what kind of wind speeds are we talking about?
6: Yeah. Uh, so for much of eastern North Dakota, you know, we're expecting our sustained winds to be anywhere from 25 to 30 miles per hour. Sorry, I can't do a quick conversion in my head. I'm I'm just too used to miles per hour. <laughs> uh, we'll say 50 <laughs> or
2: 60 kilometers per hour. We'll go with that until someone proves us wrong, Andrew.
6: that sounds pretty good, but then, uh, you know, the other thing we're watching is how strong the wind gusts could be. And right now, looking at wind gusts anywhere from 45 to maybe 55 miles per hour. Uh, That being said, we do expect our strongest wind gusts to be further towards the southeast corner of North Dakota, kind of closer to the Fargo area, but up towards the international border, still expecting some pretty strong gusts that could cause some uh, blowing snow concerns.
2: Wow. It feels like the winter that will never end, and it's not just for the central part of the United States or or most of Canada. A lot of parts of the United States have seen weather that they are not used to in any way, shape, or form, including Las Vegas. When I was there a couple of weeks ago, they'd had snow that morning.
6: Yeah, you know, it just seems like uh, the winter is just completely enveloped the U.S. You know, I have a friend that actually works out at the Vegas office, and she was sending out pictures and saying she never expected that out there. So definitely a wild winter for sure. And for us up here, yeah, you're right, it just seems like it's never going to end. Uh, but there is some good news. The extended outlook is saying that after the storm, things should quiet down quite a bit. And uh, despite some maybe if, you know below normal temperatures, it should feel pretty nice compared to what we've had. You know, temperatures up into the uh, 30s and upper 20s, so it's going to feel nicer even though it's still below normal, and luckily it'll be a little bit drier, too.
1: I don't think you'll like this next question, but can we hold you to that?
6: <laughs> you know, I am really hoping for it if so you can, because if I'm wrong, I'm going to be so sad. I'm so <laughs> ready for warmer weather.
0: <laughs> Andrew Moore, meteorologist with the National Weather Service in the United States. He's in Grand Forks. Andrew, thank you for joining us this morning. We appreciate it.
6: Yeah, thanks. You bet. Good
0: news, at least for Andrew to tell us, that after this storm moves through, then it looks like it's going to calm down.
1: Also really interesting that he says when they put out that last flood forecast that said they were worried and and there was a high risk of flooding in the Fargo-Grand Forks-Red River area, which, of course, we all watch, that when they put out that last forecast about two weeks ago, they saw this storm coming. So some of their models included the amount of snow we're about to see in North Dakota in that system. So that's encouraging. But they don't know how much they're going to get. They talked anywhere between, I think he said... Six inches to, to 12 inches, that's a huge chunk of snow.
2: Yeah, I think I think six inches, and it would fall within that predictive model that they they issued with regard to the flood. This storm has been brewing in the South Pacific and making its way uh, eastward towards uh, northern Mexico, and now is going to cut that swath and northeast all the way from the very southeast or southwest United States to northwest Minnesota. And, well, we'll see how much we get in southern Manitoba.